0: The reading for today is from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. At the time, the kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. "Lord, Lord, they say, open the door for us." But he replied, "Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour.":
1: Well, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, that Ennis read out earlier, and we're going to do that in a minute after I pray. Father, those are powerful words that we've just heard. And in our more honest moments, we sometimes are prone to wander. We're prone to leave the, the God that we love. But I pray that as we hear your words, I pray that we hear it clearly this afternoon, that that wondering actually will lead us back to Jesus. Lord, today, would we look on him afresh? Would we look forward to spending eternity with him? Lord, would you shake us today out of our apathy, if that is true in our lives? Would you encourage our souls to long for the day when we will be with the Lord? And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go and get a Bible, because preaching is helped if I have a Bible with me. Good. And if you've got that sheet in front of you as well, you'll do well to have your Bible open as well, or the passage open on that page, Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Good, that's a better start. Um, In the Second World War, there was a Soviet man called Konstantin Simonov. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I think I'm saying that name right. And he, uh, he wrote a very famous poem in World War II Um, a poem written to his sweetheart who he had left behind when he went to war. And it was a a famous poem that, that really became the poem for lots of men who had left their sweethearts or their wives behind as they went to war. Soldiers treasured it, and it went like this. Wait for me, and I'll come back. Wait with all you've got. Wait when dreary yellow rains tell you you should not Wait when snow is falling fast. Wait when summer's hot. Wait when yesterdays are past. Others are forgot. Wait when from that far off place letters don't arrive. Wait for me. And on it goes for a few more stanzas. But of course these men going to war, they didn't have WhatsApp to ping a quick message across. No emails. And lots of the letters, well they got lost or or they got intercepted as you can imagine. And so as men returned after sometimes years at war, what kind of situation would they find as they returned? Would their wives have left them? Would their sweethearts have found another man? Or would they be ready, waiting, prepared for their return? Maybe it would be a scene, something a little bit like this famous painting during World War II. Well, we're thinking about Jesus' return, as Jeff's already shared with us at the beginning of the service. And when Jesus Christ finally returns, how will he find you? Will you be ready? Persevering? Faithful? See, for four weeks, these four-week series, we're going to be thinking together about Jesus Christ's return, the second coming... And really the key verse comes in chapter 24, verse 44. And if there's one thing from this series that you to remember in weeks and years to come, I would love it to be this. It says this in that verse. So you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect Him. You have to remember one thing, grab onto one thing, it's that, be ready, be ready. If you were here last week, Jeremy took us through the last bit of chapter 24, where really the big message was this, be ready for a surprisingly quick return of Jesus. Be like a thief in the night, do you remember? And this week's kind of the opposite. So if last week was, be ready, Christ's return will be sudden, this week is, be ready, but don't be thrown by the delay. See, the church needs to be prepared for what will feel like a potentially unexpectedly long delay before Jesus Christ returns. Often then these parables, these stories that Jesus told, you can kind of break them into to three parts, There's a, or three characters. There's a god-like figure, and then there's an example to follow, and a, an example to avoid, a positive example and a negative example. And this parable fits in quite neatly to that. And so we'll just work through those three kind of elements to it first of all then the bridegroom's banquet the bridegroom's banquet I don't know if you noticed when I was reading it out that the setting of this parable is, is a village wedding and uh, I don't know if you've been to any weddings on zoom has anyone been to a wedding or two on zoom I mean it's great to be there but it's not quite the same is it do you you know do you dress up just the top half and so uh, yeah Jay's Joe's giving me a nod there um do you stand up when the bride walks down the aisle? It feels a bit weird when you're in your living room to, to do that. Um, it's a bit strange, but but a real wedding, you know, one that you are in the room. Sorry, those are real weddings, the ones on TV. Shouldn't say that. But but when when you're in the building, when you are there at the wedding, it's a joyful occasion, isn't it? A big we- wedding like this kind of village setting here. Everyone's glammed up. Um, the boat, you know, the kids are in bow ties at least till the wedding finishes, and then straight away they throw the bow tie off and get the nice suit and, and things muddy, tearful mother of the bride at the wedding, cheesy dancing. There's lots to love, isn't there, about this kind of setting? But let's be honest, many of us are, are there really for the banquet afterwards. I, I know we don't want to say that, but we look forward to to the reception and the food. When, my, uh, when we got married, my brother-in-law, Jeremy, he he sent me a text I think not not long after when we, we got engaged and he said really looking forward to the the wedding really you know really excited what's on the menu at the at the reception he wanted to know what he was going to be, be eating at the at the menu and to be honest I mean, the warm roll and butter that comes up I'd be happy if it was just that absolutely love it but but add to that tender meat and fresh veg and calorific puddings and uh, there's not many people that don't love a good banquet and Jesus in this parable is not just randomly chosen the wedding banquet picture. So it's a picture that is, is laden with biblical meaning and imagery. It's a picture that actually gets to the very heart of the gospel itself. So in the Old Testament, we're showing that, that God is described at times as a husband. You get that in... Hosea chapter 2 or or in the New Testament, Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 is described and introduced there as the bridegroom. See, the wedding picture is rich and it's intimate. God's great love for his people is shown in the fact that Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, would be sent, yes, to die on the cross to pay for our sins, but, but to bring us to the banquet, all those who have trusted in him, to bring us home to a banquet, a lavish banquet for all eternity. And actually references to that are littered through the Bible, so a couple will spring up here. Isaiah chapter 25 in the Old Testament. Isaiah writes this in a new creation kind of passage. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of, of aged meats, the best of meats, the finest of wines. Or right at the end of the Bible, Revelation. Chapter 19, I think we referred to a few weeks ago, where it said, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That you and I uh, were invited to a banquet. A wedding banquet for all eternity. Not a place of of eternal boredom, but a banquet. Just imagine the the smells, the tastes, the colours. But best of all, Jesus will be there. Jesus Christ himself, the one who, who exchanged the joy and beauty of heaven for the pain and anguish of a cross to die for you, for your sins, so that he could bring you home to that eternal banquet, to give you eternal life. Look, can I ask, is that something that ever gets you pumped up? Something that gets you excited? Do you ever look forward to that on a, on a really grey rainy London day, when you're sitting at the office, staring out the window, and your inbox is just piling up quicker than you can fire the emails off. Do you ever think about the banquet? Your future? Or, or on the brightest of days, where you're with friends and food, and it's brilliant. Do you, do you, have, do you ever think, oh, that's just a tiny foretaste? Does that wet your appetite for, for the future that you have to look forward to? But I guess the natural question is this. When when will it happen? Maybe in your more cynical moments. Has Jesus forgotten about the the banquet? Is he ever coming back? Well, the key verse, if you look down it, is verse 5. Where it says this. The bridegroom was what? Was a long time in coming. I don't know what the longest you've ever had to wait for a bridal party is. I'm sure we can share some stories afterwards. I think my record was um, a wedding maybe five or so years ago. I was an usher there. It's a good friend of mine getting married. And um, I think the bride was, it was coming on for an hour and a half late. It's not, it's not great, is it? It's an hour and a half. But she had, I was going to say it's a good excuse. I'm not, you judge for yourself. She was decorating her own wedding cake. That's right. <laughs> And so she didn't get much sleep. I mean, not many people get much sleep the night before, but she didn't get much sleep because she was up making the cakes. And then on the day, she was there. I like to imagine that she was wearing her wedding dress, kind of leaning over, just doing the last bit of sculpting. Is it called sculpting? I've never made a wedding cake, I I don't know. But she was was nearly an hour and a half late. And so the picturesque moment as the bride walks down the aisle, I, I think that, you know, he did say, You know, where have you you been? You can imagine trying to smile, uh, but frustrated at that. But it was was all fine in there. They were happily married. But we've often been delayed, haven't we, I'm sure, when we go to weddings. But the Bible is clear here that the wait for Jesus' second coming, his return, it will feel like a delay. It will feel like a long time coming. And you know, it's really important that we know that. Less than 40 years after Jesus ascended back to heaven, we're told that Peter, one of his followers, uh, he wrote his second letter um, to the church, to Peter, chapter three. And even just 40 years after, he warned that there's gonna be scoffers who come. There's gonna be people who say, where's Jesus? Where's the promise of this coming that you talk about? And if that was true in AD 60s, it's gonna be true, isn't it, in AD twenty twenty one? But like the bridegroom, God may delay his coming longer than people expect. We've got to be prepared to not be thrown by that delay. It's going to be a banquet. It's going to be brilliant. But we've got to wait. And so really the question is this. In light of that delay, how do we wait well for that banquet? And as I said, a positive example. A negative example. First of all, and the positive example, the wise we're told are prepared. The wise are prepared. Verse one. Then, did you see there that, that we're introduced to ten virgins? Some Bibles say ten bridesmaids. That's the point that they're not married. And what we do need to see here is the cultural etiquette for the day. Apparently, the, the groom basically, uh, first of all, would go with his um, best mates, maybe his ushers and he would head to the bride's home where the various ceremonies would t- take place. And then second, much later on, there would be a procession through the streets after nightfall with the uh, the entire party going to a banquet. So there's kind of two stages to it. We're familiar with that, aren't we? So um, I think our wedding was at 2.30 p.m. People come for that. But then there's lots of vari- various things, aren't there? The, the, the photos in the park or the signing of the register and various other bits and bobs, and, you know, if you're a guest, sometimes it can sort of slightly drag on, when are the couple actually going to get here? But we understand that you need to be at the reception venue at 6 p.m. to be there for them, to welcome Mr. and Mrs. Smith, or whoever it is as they come. And the main job here of the bridesmaids in the story is one of waiting, waiting to escort the couple in a torchlight procession as the groom brings his, home, his bride home to the banquet. And this meant in the time that you had to have your lamp. You have to have your lantern ready for action. Uh, just think about the lanterns, the bright glowing lanterns piercing the dark midnight sky. It's the stuff of Instagram dreams. You imagine the wedding photographer absolutely loving it as this procession goes down the nice path. It would look beautiful. And it, it starts quite well because we're told in verse 1 that, that all 10 of these bridesmaids had lamps. That's good. It's a good start. But notice that verse 4, only 5 of them had extra oil. Uh, reading the commentaries this week, uh, they say that basically how it would have worked is oil soaked rags wrapped around a stick. That's how the, the lantern sort of worked. But then. What you needed really was extra oil. Because this extra oil would keep when the, the lamp went out, it would keep it going for a couple of extra hours. And the point here is obvious, isn't it? That five of the bridesmaids they were prepared for the lengthy delay. They were ready. Look at verse 10, the second half of that. We're told the virgins who were ready went in. With him, that's the bridegroom, to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. The reason that they're wise is that they were ready. They were prepared for the delay. They, they were ready. And what's the reward? Or well, entrance to the banquet? The sweet bliss of, of celebration and the party. Apparently, it can cost. Um, up to $100,000 to get a permit. Uh, but that's what you need if you want to climb Mount Everest. I don't know if anyone here is a particular... I sort of like to think Mark Alden might have a go. I don't know. Just anyway. uh, 100, No, Rhiannon's shaking her head. I don't think she's you know, ready to part with $100,000. But that's how much, apparently, it costs for, for, for a permit to climb Mount Everest. And 1,200 people every year, apparently, try, try it uh, to, to climb it, attempt it. And about half of them do make it. About 600 people every year make it to the summit. But as you can imagine, there's many dangers along the way. Uh, There's there's the avalanches. You don't want to be caught in one of those. Uh, The the falls that you could experience, the storms. But tragically, one of the most common causes of death is a a lack of supplementary oxygen that you need. You need that extra oxygen, the, the death zone. I think there's a series. I don't know if anyone's watched it on Netflix or Prime at the moment about the Death Zone, and it's 26,000 feet to the summit, and that's where you need this extra oxygen because in that Death Zone, each breath draws less oxygen for the for the blood for the bloodstream and the lungs, and so you've got to be prepared for the long haul. It's literally a, a matter of life and death that you have this extra oxygen. And Jesus warns the same here that like the bridesmaids, we've got to be prepared for the long haul. Because there will be feel like moments where Jesus' return feels like a great delay, like a long way away. I think there's two particular challenges here. The first then is to to those of us here today who have been a, a Christian for a number of years. And maybe you think back to a time perhaps you became a Christian started following Jesus at university and uh, your faith then was was vibrant you were ready for Jesus's return uh, maybe you were telling other people those who didn't know Jesus about being ready. ready it was on your mind it was on your heart you moved to London and well life you know came away, came in the way a little bit and, and you got into work and that's not a bad thing and you got invited to a few dinner parties and religion was sort of off the table and you weren't really allowed to talk about that. Uh, Maybe you look back now at those early years and you think, gosh, I was keen. Yeah, I was. Um, Yeah, maybe I was a bit naive back then. Other things get in the way. Thinking about the property ladder and education for the kids. And oh, you need to learn the saxophone and and all those other things that just kind of just mean that you were ready. but, But now, maybe not so much. a challenge also to the younger Christian. Maybe you've not been a Christian for very long, and it feels pretty easy. You're enjoying it. It's great. But if Jesus hasn't returned in 20 years' time, 40, 60 years' time, will you still be prepared? Will you still be waiting, ready, then? To be wise, Jesus Christ says, means going the distance, being prepared like the climber in the death zone, not starting keen but failing to go the distance. We'll have more in the next couple of weeks, really, as those parables unpack what being prepared means in more detail, but it's got to mean at least our relationship with God being in a good place, trusting in Jesus every day, following him. And so if last week the the message or the question was this, will Jesus find you ready now if he returns? The question this week is, will Jesus find you ready and prepared then, at the end? Be wise, don't be thrown by the delay. It's a positive example. The, The negative example is our final point. There's this, the foolish are frauds. So five, do you remember five are wise of the bridesmaids, but the other five were described here as being foolish. Verse three, they failed to bring oil, to bring that extra oil. I wonder if we read this and we go, "Come on, is it that big a deal that a few of them have forgot some oil?" I mean, I'm sure the, the light was enough. Does it really matter? Well, yes, it does, according to Jesus. It's as serious as a climber without any extra oxygen in the death scene. And so verse six in the story, a cry goes out because the bride and groom finally, after all the photos or whatever else was going on, have emerged. And and then there's a panic for these five bridesmaids. You imagine that they stir from their nap, wipe the sleep away, and, well, they realize that the one job that they needed to do, they, they failed. And panic leads them in verse eight to ask the other five bridesmaids, can we have some of your oil?" I don't know if when you heard it read, you think, it seems a bit mean that these other five bridesmaids don't share the oil with them. I think what we're supposed to see here is that that's not a selfish response. It's supposed to show instead our individual responsibility. You you can't sort of share preparedness with someone else. I so these five foolish bridesmaids, will they pop off to the The local co-op or whatever it is around the corner to get some more oil but verse 10 the bridegroom has arrived at that stage with the the guest to the banquet and the door is bolted, it's shut so as the foolish bridesmaids, the five of them turn up verse 11 they see the door closed and they say Lord, Lord open the door for us maybe there's a bit more panic. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Lord, open the door for us. And verse 12 is chilling, isn't it? The bridegroom's response. Truly, I tell you, I I don't know you. I don't know you. It's not that the groom didn't recognize them, they were the bridesmaids, of course he recognized who they were, but they'd insulted him. And they receive a cutting and piercing verdict that they're frauds. And listen, Jesus' warning here is very stark, isn't it? That like the foolish bridesmaids, those who don't prepare adequately will discover a point beyond which there's no return See, when the end comes, it will be too late to undo the damage of neglect in their relationship with God. This rings true, doesn't it, for us, I think, today as well, that many people in the world, they presume access. They presume and expect heaven. But without receiving Christ now, turning to him and and, and saying sorry for our sins, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus died for us on the cross and trusting in him the door will be bolted I never knew you Jesus will say eternity separated from all that is good eternity separated from Christ and it flags at least three dangerous attitudes here that that I just want to point out briefly first of all the danger one in this attitude that says well, well I used to be ready I used to be ready I've already mentioned this but but maybe you're the kind of person that thinks well, I used to be ready I used to lead a bible study group I used to to serve on a summer camp and give up precious holiday do you know I even read the cross of Christ by John Stott and it's like that big when I was a younger Christian there's a danger of the overexcited climber who, who starts keen but fails to go the distance. That's one danger. The other danger is, is relying on, on someone else to be ready rather than you. I chatted to a guy that I've got to know a little bit last week and he said to me quite proudly, I come from a religious family. We've all gone to Church of England schools. He was slightly disappointed by my reaction. I think he wanted a bit more sort of affirmation for that. We've all been to those schools. In other words, we'll be fine. Maybe you meet someone that that says, well, my spouse is ready. She's the keen one. She does the sort of, she does the God stuff. So I'll be fine. But like the bridesmaids, we are held accountable individually before the judgment throne of God. You can't rely on someone else's faith or readiness. And then the third danger is, is kind of a classic one, isn't it? I'll, I'll get ready sometime later. It's the attitude that says that. I'll, I'll leave the God stuff till later or when I'm on my deathbed or, or if COVID kind of hits me in a particularly bad bout, then I'll get ready. But there will be a time this parable warns when it's too late. If you not ask Jesus to forgive your sins, now you, you can't blag your way in later. Jesus is saying, the door will be bolted. I read something that I, this week I thought was quite helpful. They were saying look, there is a category in the Bible that a time for a late response, a late repentance, a little bit like do you remember the thief on the cross, someone on their deathbed? There, there is that category. There is that time. But there's not a time for the too late response. Like these five bridesmaids. I've got to say that the stakes couldn't be higher. Heaven is too wonderful. The banquet is too good to mess out on. And hell is way, way too serious, far too serious to toy with. It might feel like a great delay, like Jesus is not coming back. But Jesus says, verse 13, keep watch. You don't know the day or hour. See, Jesus will come back. He's promised to, and not one of his promises has ever failed. Just as we finish. Um, I don't know if you're the kind of person that's in the, the habit of praying before a meal time, lunch or dinner or something like that. If you say a short prayer, it's a good thing to do, isn't it? Thankful for our food that God has given us. I wonder if you, while you're doing that, maybe in the work canteen or at the desk or whatever it is this week, as you just say that prayer, whether you can, whether you can think about another meal, a, a banquet meal with Jesus where you're heading, a meal, at a banquet fellowship there beyond your wildest dreams. Could you do that this week as you're eating your lasagna or your meatballs or whatever it is you think about that other meal fix your eyes on that time where you'll be with Jesus that would be a good thing wouldn't it to do Jesus is coming back but don't be thrown by the delay be ready let me lead us in prayer Father this is a a wonderful parable. It's a banquet. We want to be there, Lord. We're excited that that actually being there isn't really down to our performance or anything like that at all. It's down to Jesus. Trust in him. And we'll be there. Father, help us to know that. Help us to look forward to this wonderful banquet that has been brought about by Jesus at such a cost on the cross. Help us to look forward to that, to live for that. But Lord, also help us to be ready when there is a delay. When it feels like maybe those days where it feels like Jesus isn't coming back. Help us to persevere, to be prepared, to have that extra oil for the lantern. Father, we look forward to this banquet. In Jesus' name, amen.